So we're at the Real Deals annual forum in Miami. How does this compare to other years? You know, what do you what do you I, think so I, far? I think this gets better every year and uh, more professional every year. I think the quality of the booths and the vendors that are here gets better. It just keeps elevating its its uh, luxury. <laughs> Good morning, and this is Deconstruct, a podcast by The Real Deal. We're your hosts. I'm Susanna Cavanaugh. And I'm Isabella Farr. It's Monday, November 20th. So today we're bringing you into the heart of the Miami Forum, which took place a little over a week ago. We got the chance to interview a handful of guests in person, which was definitely a treat. We've never done that before. Yeah. Uh, and if you were there, you may have seen us in our small little house with our recording equipment. The Real Deal got us um, sort of like a mobile recording studio. It was awesome. Very cool and very cozy. People did not shy away from photo ops, too. People kept coming up and saying, like, can I just take a photo with the headphones? Yeah. Which was fun. It was. Yeah, we love it. Thank you for visiting us. I didn't realize that we would have fans, so that was really exciting. Um, and we love to hear from you. And if you want to email us, please email us. So our interviews were sort of split down the middle. We had two focused on the resi landscape in Miami after a year and a half of rising rates and how higher for longer should impact new development and buyer demand in Miami. And then two dug into AI tools that developers are beginning to tap. They speed, one of them speeds the process of site selection and another optimizes designs, boosting profits. Both of them are cost savers, really incredible innovations that we will get into later. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, I, how did I never hear of this before? That's how I felt during both of those interviews. Yeah. So stay tuned for our AI episode in a few weeks. There's some really amazing stuff happening in that space. And our guests did a really good job of addressing the fears around this new tech. Today, you will hear our interview with Dora Puig, one of Miami's top residential brokers on who is still driving luxury deals in and around the city and what it is they're looking for exactly. And you'll hear from Edgardo and Ana Cristina de Fortuna. Edgardo is the CEO and founder of Fortune International Group. Ana Cristina is Fortune's executive VP. And together they talked about the boom of branded residences and whether the market has grown too crowded. And they touched on the types of buyers who are still seeking out Miami deals post-pandemic. But first, the news. So a quick update on the NAR fallout. This dropped after last week's episode was in post-production. The Real Estate Board of New York and 26 other residential brokerages were hit with an antitrust suit. I'll just rattle off a few of the brokerages. Compass, Corcoran, Douglas Elliman, Brown-Harris-Stevens, Christie's, Sirhant. It's sweeping. And that's essentially what Sheridan and Harrison forewarned of when we chatted with them last week. One copycat suit would beget possibly dozens more. The language in this suit is actually nearly identical to the Missouri case we saw the verdict on last month. What's interesting, though, is our episode touched on how New York may not have the same exposure to the complaints lodged in other lawsuits. And that's because NAR membership in New York is rarer and there is no citywide MLS. Right. So what this suit does is it finds issue with a similar rule in Rebney's brokerage agreement, which just like NAR requires sellers to pay buyers brokers. Rebney did update that rule in October, prohibiting the practice. Um, and the group said it is reviewing the complaint, but is, quote, 
confident that RLS practices and procedures abide by all relevant laws, end quote. So in more WeWork news, just over a week after the co-working firm filed for bankruptcy, we got a taste of how office landlords with sizable exposure to the firm could repurpose that space. The Van Barton Group intends to turn WeWork's footprint at 986th Avenue, that's in Midtown Manhattan, into rental apartments. Yeah, about 100 of them. Um, To be fair, the conversion kind of makes sense at 986th Avenue. The property is mixed use already, and just four floors of the 25 floors total, I believe, are commercial. WeWork at one time occupied three of those floors, according to the company's marketing materials. Susanna, you had an update on the Signature Loan Portfolio last week. What's happening there? Right, yeah. So closely watched by our industry, bidding on that loan portfolio, which is $33 billion, $15 billion of which is debt that is collateralized by rent-regulated apartments. The bidding wrapped on Thursday the 9th, so a little over a week ago, and winners were expected to have been chosen as early as last Thursday. We're recording this on Friday afternoon, and I haven't heard anything one way or the other that I've been able to confirm. Um, So we'll have to wait and see. But we're expecting to know before Thanksgiving. So just a few days now. But the expectation there was that the rent-stabilized loan book saw very little interest, right? Yeah, that's what I heard from sources. Um, And that was kind of anticipated since we know the collateral for those loans is deteriorating. Values are down as much as 40% on rent-regulated buildings after the passage of the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act of 2019. Um, So some owners are already facing distress. I've actually been tracking foreclosures on that space. But despite that, the industry expected that all of those factors would drive down the bidding price of the loans and that discount would be attractive to bidders. But no dice there? So what I've heard is there was very little interest, and that may have been because of this provision in transaction documents that discouraged, I'm going to say, any firm with interest in a signature loan in one of those pools or one of the borrowers in the pools or one of the assets from bidding on the loans because the FDIC most likely didn't want those bidders to buy their own loans for cents on the dollar, for example, and then, you know, kind of game the bidding process. Got it. So they really didn't want any bidders to have ties to the loans that they would be bidding on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in effect, that would rule out a number of bidders, right? Right. Because the investors who most people think are interested in these loans are firms that are intimately familiar with rent stabilization law in New York. Basically, anybody who would want to buy these loans would have to know all of the quirks of rent stabilization. And, you know, it's that creates a smaller um, bucket of possible bidders. Got it. So when do you expect to know if these loans sold and to whom? Right. So it's possibly this week um, for people listening on Monday morning. I've heard some names thrown around, so stay tuned, but most likely before Thursday. So let's jump into our interviews for today. Just a reminder, we interviewed this on site at a forum with a few thousand people in attendance. So we benefited from the insulation from our little podcast booth, the the soundproofing. Um, but there's a fair amount of ambiance in the background. So hopefully it makes you feel like you were there. 
My name is Dora the Explorer. No, just kidding. <laughs> Dora Puig. I'm the founder and principal broker of Luke's Living Realty. Uh, we have uh, three offices in uh, Miami Beach and Fisher Island, and uh, we are 60 people in my boutique luxury real estate company. So we're at the Real Deals Annual Forum in Miami. How does this compare to other years? You know, what do you, what do you I, think so I, far? I think this gets better every year and uh, more professional every year. I think the quality of the booths and the vendors that are here gets better. It just keeps elevating its, its uh, luxury. <laughs> so you spoke at one of our panels earlier. Can you give us a little recap of what you touched on? Yes, I was on the residential sales panel mm -hmm. with two other really talented pros, Sonata Adzem and Frederick Ekman. I think the main point uh, that Catherine Kuller just started on was what is the difference now from 2021, which was pandemic selling insanity, yeah. <laughs> where we went on a ship called SpaceX and went to the moon and back in a year. <laughs> um, and my main point with that was that we're still low on inventory, so that's the same. Mm -hmm. uh, Prices sort of reset after the pandemic in uh, South Florida, especially Miami Beach and the luxury markets, and they've held. We're at a whole new price point. We just jumped and we haven't gone back, right. unlike the rest of the country has. So I'm very fortunate to be a real estate broker here and experiencing this amazing growth. Um, the main part of the inventory that has held mm -hmm. in pricing is finished inventory of prime locations, whether it's a single family home or a trophy penthouse or just big, beautiful condominiums in a, you know, five-star A buildings. Mm -hmm. um, these residential units that are completely fitted out and done by big designers and just beautiful turnkey, those are posting record sales literally every week. Okay. Um, single family homes, same thing. I just sold a house for just under 11 million on a dry lot, new construction, mm -hmm. furnished beautifully by a lady from London, and I just sold it for just under 11 million dollars, second highest price in the history of Miami Beach. Wow! And this is in a market that they say is bad. So, I think what the differentiator is is that you know buyers that can afford these properties aren't really tied to mortgages or that they're paying in all cash. What is it? I think. It's a great point. In fact, Catherine's interview with the uh, top-ranking uh, agents, she quoted all of us, mm -hmm. and she, she used my line, which I didn't intend to, as the <laughs> tagline. And she says, this market is nutty. Mm -hmm. It's on the article. Mm -hmm. And it is nutty. And it was that point exactly. Whereas interest rates are high, some segment of the marketplace is taking a long time to sell. And then every other week, you have a record sale, escalating prices. Doesn't make sense, right? right. It's, it's nutty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, a big part of the reason of South Florida being having this buffer is that we have no state income tax. Mm. And as long as Florida stays as a no state income tax state, we are going to attract wealth. And we are also attracting people that are in their income earning years, mm. or a CEO, or hedge fund guys, or asset managers, tech guys, because with what they save, in one year of state income taxes, they buy the house for free. Wow. Think about it. Yeah. And then you save it every year. Right. So if you're saving $15 million in income taxes your first year by moving here, you just got your house for free. Pretty much. It's $15 pretty, million. It's pretty house. good deal. Yeah. And then every year after that, you're, you're getting that $15 million savings. Okay. That is what's the underlying 
fuel of our luxury residential market. They have to come and establish residency here. You can't just have a penthouse in New York and buy a one bedroom here and say, I'm a tax resident. No, that doesn't work. That's really the impetus of this buffer that we've created here. And then you add lifestyle, you add that we fared pretty well in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, our numbers weren't that bad. Business didn't get totally shut down. So businesses weren't able to survive. Mm -hmm. So that all, you know, attracted people. And then, guys, we have our lifestyle. Right. Like, we get, look at our day today. Sunshine, beautiful, dry. It's nice to get a taste. I came down from New York, so yeah. I'm <laughs> Three weeks ago, when it finally stopped raining and it stopped being hot, we mm -hmm. had a little cold front, and now it's beautiful. Yeah. I told my whole team, season just started today. <laughs> Literally, and it did. Our phone's been blowing up. Oh, no doubt. Huh. So we're still a little bit of a winter market, especially on Miami Beach mm -hmm. and on Fisher Island, where it's kind of my playground. So I think that's one of the biggest things. Right. It's money. So one thing, you know, and I know that um, Catherine spoke about this on the panel or asked you um, about this on the panel, but the industry was definitely rocked a few weeks ago by the jury's verdict in the case against NAR. You're looking at me <laughs> and nodding. Um, how are you thinking about that ruling? That was one of the big discussions we had up at the panel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was as transparent as I possibly could. I, I just said, I don't even understand the, the case. Um, I don't think it applies very much to the super luxury market because every time I go on a listing appointment, we get negotiated commissions, or at least they try, mm -hmm. right? So it's not written in stone. I'm not forcing commissions on a seller. Mm -hmm. Now, if he wants me to work on a reduced commission, it's up to me to accept the listing or not. And if I want to work on 6% because I share 3% with the buyer's agent and I spend a lot of money on marketing, He's got to analyze my, my marketing and see if I add value. Mm. And he's free to accept or not deal and work with me. So I don't know how this case really even applies to that. So they make the buyer pay the buyer's agent. It's just a number. The sales price of that house is going to be dictated by the market and the seller's motivation to sell, period. We don't even dictate it. So if the buyer's agent, a uh, buyer has to pay their value-added agent 3%, his bid is going to be 3% under. We're going to end up at the same number. So I don't know how they think that this is costing the sellers more. Mm. Now, that's on the super luxury market. It's just right. math, right? right? Which way do you invert the math? Right. I don't know if this big NAR case with... Keller Williams and Home Services of America that are big national firms, if this is hitting the lower to mid markets across America? I would say, yeah. Yeah. Then right. that's probably where the main point is, and we just fall under the umbrella because we're brokers. Mm -hmm. right. right. But I don't believe it applies in any way, shape, or form to the ultra luxury market. Got it. Got it. And I think we'll just wrap up with this one. So, fewer deals coming to market. What is your secret to getting deals closed over the finish line? Listen, this is, we're, we're living a moment with this high interest rates. Um, most of my deals are cash. They don't really require a lot of financing. Um, and if one comes in with financing and it's the right price, we work the deal. Uh -huh. uh, right now, I think track record, experience, knowledge, 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 um, that all brings you ne negotiating power, right? And know how to negotiate through inspections and know how to take the, uh, jump the hurdles of uh, financing mm -hmm. and dealing with banks. And knowing when to tell your seller, okay, 
you might want to fix these inspection items now and not be so stubborn because you've got a great price mm. knowledge, right? Uh, we bring marketing power to the table as well once you have a track record because you have established teams, better communication, more responsiveness. That's what a seller wants right now. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants a lot of handhold. Whereas in 2021, you picked up the phone and you had triple bids. Right, for, yeah. For, so I think knowledge, uh, a well-established marketing team, um, marketing budgets for sellers, and lots of communication, lots of responsiveness, um, is still surviving. And I, that's gotten me to the finish line with a lot of deals. There's also less inventory, so there's less deals. Mm -hmm. there's still, we're still low on good AAA, well-located inventory mm -hmm. for residential luxury. We're still low on, okay. you know, um, inventory that doesn't need work. Okay. That's the end user that's buying right now. Yeah. It's a move in with his family. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. they're being mindful of their time. Well, thanks, Dora. I think that's all the questions that we had. Yeah. Um, thank you. We appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for and having me. Enjoy the rest of the forum. Thank you both for being here. Welcome to the Real Deals annual forum in Miami. Can you just start by introducing yourselves? Yeah, I'm Edgardo de Fortuna, President and CEO of Fortune International Group. I'm Ana Cristina de Fortuna, and the VP of Sales for Fortune International Group. And you're married, correct? Yes, yes. for 28 years. Actually. Yes. Um, so and we work together. <laughs> and we have so much fun together. I bet. Um, so first, how does this event compare to other years? Really, it, it gets better every year. I mean, the, the amount of people that really attend this event, uh, it's really remarkable and, and the ability for the real deal to, to get people to, to come here and to participate is uh, really amazing. So we're very, very pleased. We always supported it from the first time they, they did it, but it's getting better and better. And do you see it as a networking opportunity? Do you come for the panels? Do you come to meet? You know, I saw you hug Dora just a second ago, who we had on earlier. Um, you know, do you come for to see your friends or? Well, all of the above, actually. I mean, I think that uh, some of the panels are very interesting, but but the networking that you do here and getting to see people all at once in in uh, concentrating in one place and being able to to talk about potential opportunities that sometimes people don't have the ability to come to our offices or, or to reach out to us. So it's, it's great to be able to, uh, to see them and participate and interact with them. Okay. So I want to talk about development a little bit. Um, you know, developers have been dealing with cost increases, inflation for quite a bit. So I'm wondering, is that still affecting construction timelines in 2023? Yes, certainly. Uh, the, the good news is the price of sales has gone up. So. Um, even though the costs have gone up, in general terms, uh, the, the equation is still balanced, but you, you are really trying to control those costs and figuring out uh, to try to, uh, to do better than what you promised, but also maintaining the, uh, the cost under consideration. So um, it's challenging because there are many, many projects in the pipeline and, and uh, very few contractors that do the level of work and quality that, that we really uh, demand. So, um, but but so far it's been a good experience, and we're maneuvering through that. And, and locally, we're developing Rich Carlton residences in Pompano. We started construction. Same thing with San Regis residences in Sunny Isles and Nexo in North Miami Beach. 
And with all of them, we've been able to uh, to really come up to an agreement with a great general contractor that that is performing as expected from us. Yeah, it seems like despite the challenges, the whole city is under construction. I mean, <laughs> it really does. Yeah, we're staying in Wynwood, like not far from here at all, and uh, cranes everywhere. Like so much is going on. Yeah, um, there are different pockets and neighborhoods that are really very, very active, mm -hmm. and and. Uh, as you could see, uh, the world is in love with Miami, so everybody wants a piece. Uh, and uh, luckily, we're in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that um, the lack of sites is going to slow down the demand because it's not easy to find uh, great sites anymore. But uh, but so far, it's been uh, the, the demand has outpaced the supply, so we're very very happy. About it. Given the challenges, how are you selecting which projects to work on and move forward with and which ones to avoid? Well, we are very selective <laughs> when we select and we take a, a long time to study each one of them. And we're very fortunate because we are in that position and we can actually select the best. And I feel that Fortune has the best projects under our wings. And that's because we take a lot of time and effort to study every detail because it's very important that not only it's about location, 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 but it's about lifestyle. It's about building communities. It's about improving and impacting the way people live. And if a project has those characteristics, then we'll be forward. It needs to have every single one of them. Mm. Check all the boxes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and for both, you know, Miami locals and people who have loved the city for a long time, but also for, I'm assuming, for international buyers and to attract people to the city. Do you, you consider those factors as well, I'm sure? Very important. And like Edgardo said, you know, the world wants a little piece of Miami. So you touched on the branded residences projects you have in the pipeline. What do you think drove that boom? Is it something that could have only happened in Miami? It seems so Miami-specific. Uh, no, I think that the, the many cities are trying to imitate it now. Mm. I mean, if you go to Madrid, there are a number of uh, residential projects that are going to be promoted being branded. And of course, Dubai is also a great example, but even in New York and other major cities in the world, um, it's it's like Anna Cristina was saying, it's about lifestyle. It's mm -hmm. about assuring the, the buyer that not only they're getting a great product from the architectural point of view and from the design and construction point of view, but also they're getting a, a great service and a great lifestyle. Mm -hmm. People are buying moments, they're buying experiences in addition to buying real estate. And, and that's what uh, differentiates the great brand from a non-branded product or for brands that are not as uh, keen on servicing the resident that uses the property. Mm -hmm. Do you think the hotel branded residence market in Miami is getting oversaturated? Do you think that there are too many? Well, I wish we, we only would use them, but uh, a lot of us uh, uh, realize that it's so good to, uh, to have a branded uh, hospitality residence that, that many developers are. We, we like to, to think that we were the pioneers on, on using brands, but, uh, but it does make sense. So uh, it's, it's hard to, to keep up coming with new brands or, or new concepts or new lifestyle experiences, but uh, I think that they're here to stay because they provide a significant benefit over regular uh, condominiums as luxury as they could be. Do they sell for a premium, you know, because you have that hotel and that luxury brand attached to it? You know, could you have the same condo project without that, you know, Ritz-Carlton brand or 
um, a similar sort of brand attached, um, would it still sell at a similar price point? It's very hard to measure, but I, I mean, I'm sure Anna Cristina agrees 100% that they do sell for more. They sell faster. They are recognized immediately. And again, we at Fortune have a great advantage, which is not only we're developers, but we have an incredible sales network of, of over a thousand brokers that work in our company. So we use their information and, and their contact with the customers to be able to design the product and the services that the customer is looking for. So um, we're really big on, on understanding that and, and really providing the solution and the servicing uh, that the customer is looking for. Yeah, and I, I agree with the garden, and especially it guarantees the lifestyle mm. and the, the well-being of the projects for the year to, years to come. I want to broaden it a little bit. You know, South Florida saw such an influx of buyers from other markets over the past few years. Are you still seeing that in 2023? Do you expect it to continue into 2024? There, there's a continuous migration. As, uh, it used to be more during the pandemic for the U.S. buyer, mm -hmm. but now the socioeconomic situations in Latin America uh, have created a new wave of buyers, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Peru. Mm -hmm. uh, so. We're seeing a, a more of a balance equation today between Latin America and U.S., but we continue to see the attractiveness of, of moving to South Florida for economic reasons, for natural reasons, for a, a lifestyle reasons. So, for security, uh, mm -hmm. safety. Mm -hmm. People feel very safe in Miami. That's great. So what are, you know, you talk a lot about lifestyle, but generally, you know, is that what you would say most condo buyers are looking for right now when deciding, you know, I want to buy at this building? Yes, lifestyle is a very big component and wellness factor is also important. You know, what this space can do for me, how can we bring architecture and improve a space to the point that it would really elevate the way that person lives and that's how we study every space every space needs to have a purpose there's a reason for that space to be that way mm -hmm. so we really put a lot of you know effort into giving you know an identity a personality to every single space and at the end of the day it's a soul the building needs to have that soul and when people you know connect with that then they say I want to be in that building mm -hmm. I like it so that's what we'd be always trying to look for. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go back to something you mentioned before at how it's difficult to find a really good site and really good land to build on. You know, what what's going to start happening? Are you going to start to see demolition of older sites, some a lot of redevelopment? Yeah, we already are seeing that. I mean, uh, the San Regis residences in San Ial is a perfect example of that. There was 346 units on all uh, structure for, for small buildings and we bought each one of them for two, two and a half years. years. Yeah. Uh, for two and a half years. Two, we, two and a half uh, years. And so then, every single one of them. And, wow. and then terminated the condo and now it's, it's a magnificent site for the, the next San Regis residences. But it's happening uh, all over Miami and uh, the, the situation of the 40-year certification of buildings and the amount of money that people need to spend in all their buildings make it potentially more attractive to uh, to sell those units and, and buy something newer and allow a developer to uh, to proceed with the demolition and, and construction of a new project. But still, I mean, uh, it's a long process, it's a difficult process, and it's not going to come uh, very easy. So 
the, the difficulty of getting, especially waterfront sites, still there very prevalent. Mm -hmm. And then we can always move north. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think we can end with this one. So, what's the project you would say you're most excited about right now? Oh God, it's like That's saying, a hard one. saying <laughs> These are my baby guys. Yeah. Say, and saying I which one it. of my three children is the cancer. Yeah. So each uh, each one yeah. has its own special qualities. All right. Well, talk to uh, us. Give us a little taste. Well, uh, of course, uh, the ones that um, that really uh, to me uh, really highlight the most is. Uh, the Sun Ridges residences in Sunny Isles because of the 450 feet of ocean front, mm. you can create a, a club amenity between the two buildings that is over 100,000 square feet of space. So, uh, really, again, uh, creating those uh, areas that Christina was talking about that that really allow people to to, to really live a, a great life. But. Uh, but then we have Aura also. Yes. Aura is this beautiful 80-story building in the financial district of Miami. And he was very nice and very generous because he gave me not one, not two, not three, but four stories of a park in the center That's of the gorgeous. building. So it's kind of it's basically an oasis in the middle of the financial center of Miami. Mm -hmm. And we have four different you know, food and beverage areas that are very well curated. We have a food and, um, and wine room. Then we have a curated market that will be open 24 hours. So if you come at three o'clock, two o'clock in the morning and you're hungry, you can eat something. You can have a fresh croissant that was recently made in the, in the fresh, you know, um, French bakery. And then we have on the 80th floor, a beautiful club, a private club, and then there's a beautiful restaurant. So that, that's the lifestyle that we want to bring to Miami mm. because people appreciate it. And that's what brings communities together. You know, you want to have a community. You want to connect with people. That's something that for us is very important to keep that human connection, right? I'll end on this. Um, I just have a general question for being in Miami the last couple of days. It seems like there are so many restaurants that come from New York, right? <laughs> they, they, it's just, it's kind of astounding, yeah. you know? Um, well, like we were walking around Wynwood and I'm like, there's Joe's Street yeah, Pizza yeah, yeah, or yeah. Pastis. Yes. Um, tell me, you know, why that is. Well, again, um, Obviously, New York for many, many years was uh, really the capital of the food and beverage and, and, and financial capital of the world and stuff. So, and when the migration of, of people from New York, uh, they brought their favorite restaurants or the restaurants came following them. Mm. I'm not sure which one it is, but, uh, but Miami had great restaurants before, but now it's, it's really uh, incredible. You can eat at a top, top restaurant every day of the, of the month and not now. And it gives them an uh, excuse to come to Miami more often. Yeah. <laughs> because all these people, and many of them, we know them, we're friends. Mm -hmm. And they just love spending here more time because of our weather oh, and yeah. our vibe, right? Of this incredible city. Yeah, you, you see it in, in many ways. I mean, uh, uh, the activities that Miami had to offer from the entertainment, arts, and, uh, and food and beverage point of view are, are really uh, elevated in the last few years to an incredible level. And so, um, we, we, I still say that we're still in the infancy of that. I mean, and, and more and more people, because now we're not only getting the New Yorkers, we're getting uh, great restaurants from Italy, great, great places from France, looking at, at spaces, in, uh, mm -hmm. uh, spaces in Miami uh, to open their operations. So, mm -hmm. it, it's really uh, incredible what's happening in this wonderful city.
Deconstruct airs every Monday on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Or you can listen at therealdeal.com. For comments on this episode or on the series, or if you have a guest or idea you'd like to pitch, feel free to reach me or Susanna at podcasts at therealdeal.com. We're taking a break for Thanksgiving next week, but we'll be back on air December 4th. We'll be chatting with Jonathan Pierce, the head of office and life science investments for Ivanhoe Cambridge. Tune in then.